This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin. You're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. MRT Putrajaya Phase 1 officially opens its doors to the public today. The MRT Putrajaya line is meant to connect users from Kuasa Damansara all the way to Putrajaya Central, but for Phase 1, the line will stop at the Kampong Batu station. Independent urban mobility researcher Azif Azudin attended a preview event for this new line last week and he's going to share his thoughts and observations with us. So parts of the previous MRT Kajang line, three of them actually, Kuasa Damansara, Kampong Selamat and Sungai Buloh, the tail end of it lah, yeah? were absorbed as part of the new MRT Putrajaya line but everything else all the other all the other stations were, are actually new uh, especially the ones that extend all the way to Putrajaya so basically uh, what happened or at least the preview were, we were allowed to go from Kapong Batu and that's linked to the existing KTM Seremban line right so we were allowed to go to Kapong Batu and uh, basically ride all the way to Damansara Tamai so we didn't have the chance to actually get off at all the stations in between or even go all the way to unfortunately Kuasa Damasara right where uh, where it's linked to MRT Kajang but I think being able to go along the alignment itself you get to see for yourself I think the uh, how what sort of urban areas did the pass through right for example um, and unfortunately for now it wasn't the, ideally the MRT Putrajaya is supposed to link Putrajaya into the city center. Unfortunately, we didn't manage to go all the way to Putrajaya, but I think uh, with the opening of the phase one, Putrajaya is supposed to be one of the stations that is open because that's a point, right? You link Putrajaya all the way to, yeah, KL. Mm. So just to clarify, you which station did you um, start your journey from? Kampung Batu. Kampung Batu all the way to Kuasa Damansara? Uh, no, Kampung Batu and we went all the way to Damansara Damai. Damansara Damai. Okay, so that was just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine stations, lah, essentially, right? Nine stations. But if you look along uh, the actual map distance, right, of the map, right, uh, and see how far it, it actually goes all the way. It actually goes quite far. So Kampung Batu, uh, you're thinking about how you're passing through Jinjang, you're tra- passing through Kepong, and then from Kepong you make a turn into Sri Damansara, and then Damansara Damai, which is relatively close to Singapore actually if you really think about it we, we get close to Singapore and next year I think if I'm not mistaken more uh, more inner KL places will open so places like Pesiaran KLCC you know I pass through KLCC uh, quite often right uh, on a weekly basis and there are so places like Ampang Park uh, Pesiaran KLCC uh, TRX uh, Chan Saolin so when the phase 2 line opens Uh, these are stations in inner KL, uh, which you'll be seeing as you go all the way to Putrajaya. So yeah, even Serdang, UPM, um, Serbujaya Utara, these are places that you can expect to see as the phase, uh, as phase two opens. Hopefully, I would like to just get your, I guess your, I guess projection as to how and why they designed as such because I think it is kind of cool. But before that, and I would just like to get your take on what you you saw during your trip the other day. Like, like you know, how was it like? Perhaps, you know, we can share, I guess, the train experience and also if you got the chance to, I guess, look at some of the uh, stations, you know, what were they like and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, to be honest, there's nothing much to talk about being in a train. Uh and I'm not exactly a train spotter or a train enthusiast. So I think 
the different types of trains don't um, don't excite me. But uh, I guess seeing the urban landscape change as you go along, right? Uh, that was an interesting experience. I think it always is. I think uh, the one thing that I look forward to every time I get on train, which is to kind of see how uh, the urban fabric changes, uh, how dense it becomes, or how less dense it becomes as you go along, right? Um, and I think it's quite clear. You can tell as you get from Kampung Batu and going all the way up to Singapore, you get to see how less dense things become. Uh, how there are more highways because it is built along a highway, right? Um, that to me was interesting. But I think the more important aspect, and I think this is what, the, which I found interesting at least, is the station design. Uh, and I think if you recall, sometime last year, or was it two years ago, uh, there was a lot of chatter on social media about the station design during construction, right? So basically someone, uh, so basically photos of one of the stations was uh, made public. People looked at it. They weren't happy. Uh, and then the nickname of Ruban Ayam kind of came about from it because it, it looked like it was just uh, grills for walls um, and it looked quite simplistic, I think, to, to, to be kind, right, to what people actually say, to rephrase what people say kindly about it. Uh, they call it Ruban Ayam. Now, I think, uh, and these are just, these are judged based on photographs, right? Um, now, going to the actual station itself, um, I can say that it is industrial, Actually, the station design feels very industrial. It feels, uh, in a way, it feels quite unique. It's different from MRT Sungai Blue Kajang. So MRT Kajang, uh, if you look at the stations, it looks like a spaceship. It looks very modern and forward thinking. And that's great. Uh, if that was the intended design of MRT Kajang, then it's fine. Uh, MRT uh, Sungai Blue, even in the original station designs uh, that were released to the public, even when the designs were shown early on, right, um, many years ago, the design kind of matches, right? So it's supposed to be industrial. It's supposed to feel more localized. And why I say localized is because it feels it feels like it suits Malaysian weather and it suits our temperament. So if you go inside, it feels like you're entering into a factory and not in a bad way because I think um, there's an artisanal feel about it, right, where people complain that, yeah, it's a Raban Ayam, but actually it's not. Uh, it doesn't feel as cheap as people think it would be because the grills are actually great in the sense where the grills don't feel, um, how do I put it this way? Because they're grills, uh, there's air that passes through the station right? and it feels very cool, it feels very breezy. So even inside, if you're inside the station, and the way the station was designed, um, and first glance, you'd be worried that it might be hot inside, but it actually isn't. It's quite well ventilated because they're grills. But it's so well designed, in fact, when, because uh, we managed to experience it while it was raining, and we managed to experience it while it was hot. And I was inside the station the whole time, and I didn't feel heat. Uh, I didn't feel warm. I didn't feel, basically, I didn't feel as though I was feeling extremities of, uh, of temperatures, right? Uh, and when it was raining, the station actually protects you from the elements outside. So why, what I'm saying is that when you're inside the uh, the platform, for example, now if you go to MRT Kajang, LRT even, right, the open platform stations, uh, overground stations, the rain can pretty much get you from the sides, right? For example, if it's raining really heavily, then, you know, rain will get to your face uh, if it's really strong winds. But the MRT Kajang, sorry, the MRT Putrajaya stations are designed in a way to kind of like address that. So... You have walls, yes. You have you have the grill walls, uh, but at the same time, because those grill walls are built quite nicely around uh, the station, 
even with the heaviest of rains, you won't get hit by the rain when you're waiting on the platform. And I think that's great because there is a concentrated effort, I think, with Putrajaya Line to be more localized and to be more user uh, user thinking, right? Where, okay, we are Malaysians, we're in a tropical country uh, where it rains half the time and it's hot half the time. How do we design a station that accommodates uh, to the elements? And I think uh, MRT Putrajaya is a great attempt at doing it. And I know people complain a lot about the cost-cutting measures, right? And that was a major complaint, I think, the cost-cutting measures and what people were afraid would be compromised um, or, you know, you have to give and take, right? Uh, and MRT told us themselves what was what they had to compromise in terms of, so I think it was $8 billion that they managed to save in terms of cost-saving. But things that they had to, I think, you know, give and take was basically the paint job. So if you go in the paint job, you can tell, you know, maybe it's a little bit, you can tell that maybe in a few years' time, it'll need three years at least, right? It'll need another paint job. Or, for example, the one thing that really bugged me, which I found really, really interesting, uh, was that the the sort of benches that they use at the stations, they were kind of like plastic blocks, colored plastic blocks, if I'm to be honest, and it doesn't look great. Uh, it looks weird, I suppose, uh, if you compare it against the context of an industrially designed station, right? Um, but yeah, but these are very small things. To me, I think at the end of the day, the station is kind of like a, the train station exists. It's not the place where you sit down and admire like an art gallery, right? It's not meant to be that. At the end of the day, the train station is where you go. You get onto the platform. You're going to be there about five minutes, maybe 10 minutes max, uh, 15 minutes, depending on frequencies. And then you get onto your next destination. Uh, maybe you have to wait if you reach to the last station that you want for the bus or whatnot. But I think it's well designed, personally. Although I think the one major weakness that I noticed um, when I was there was that they really didn't have proper bicycle facilities. So bike storage facilities uh, were not great, unfortunately, right? They only had like a bar that was designed and shaped like a bicycle and you can just kind of lock your bike there. And I think there were several cyclists uh, who are, I mean, there were several people who are cyclists who are part of my preview group. And I don't think they were happy because it, it felt quite rudimentary. What you want, I think, is kind of like a proper bike shed, right? To place your bikes. Uh, and that's considered proper. That's the most basic thing that you can do. But unfortunately, I think not a lot of thought. Maybe it could be the part of cost-cutting measures, right? But not a lot of thought is given uh, to cyclists in this regard. Although I would say that that is a general culture, in Malaysia, as opposed to kind of like a isolated incident or a very specific thing to do with MRT. Mm. Um, just to go back on 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 the cost cutting measures that um, MRT embarked on for for the for these things. Um, you said that you you did explain to you. Um, so is the cost cutting measure more focused on I guess the aesthetics of things, the stations, or also does it also involve other things? Yeah, it's it's to do with aesthetics. So I think people are worried that the fundamental structures. Or, or maybe the designs will change because of cost-cutting measures, right? But I can tell, I mean, I can tell that it is a lie. And basically, I think um, in any in any engineering project um, like MRT, right, you, you need to settle the basics first. And the basics, wherever it is the budget you have, the basics have to be dealt with. For example, you need to make sure it's safe. You need to make sure that the materials are at least good enough uh, so that they can withstand the test of time uh, because these are decisions that are going to be there for the rest of the... There's gonna be rest. It's gonna be there forever, possible, right? right? Yeah, forever. yeah. It's gonna be there forever. No one's gonna break. No one's gonna 
uh, destroy the alignment and shift it. You can't. It's, ex- it's an expensive project. So when you build a station, then, then you have to make sure it's done well the first time. And then everything else is just maintenance over the decades. Uh, so I'm very sure MIT sh- shouldn't and didn't compromise on that aspect of things. Uh, so you can tell that the cost-cutting measure had to happen on other things, right? Paint jobs, for example. Uh, maybe they had better bench ideas, but they couldn't, right? So they found cheaper benches. Uh, maybe they had an idea for a bike shed, which would cost them a few thousand, maybe a million, depending on how much units they buy. But maybe they couldn't. So in the end, they settled for like a simple, I don't know, simple metallic, sorry, a, a simple wire-like structure for a bike, right? To, for, for, for keeping your bike. So you can tell where... It happens in all these minor little details, but overall, as a station, as overall for the station design uh, and the feel of the station, um, it feels like a solid one. And you can tell at the very least, cost damages didn't happen there. That was independent urban mobility researcher Azif Azuddin sharing his observations of the new MRT Putrajaya line that officially opens today. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Anif Baharudin, and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. Joining me today is Azif Azuddin. He's an independent urban mobility researcher and he attended the preview event for the newly opened MRT Putrajaya Line Phase 1 last week. He's been sharing his thoughts and observations of this new line and we're going to continue the second part by looking at whether the usage of train stations should be extended to accommodate different needs for users. Should train stations include third places or spaces for users to utilize the station beyond its intended use? Yeah, so basically what you're trying to say is whether or not the stations uh, incorporate kind of like a sense of being a third space, right? So uh, not just utilizing itself as a station, but also, and not only just uh, having vendors there to sell food, like a convenience store, right? Beyond that, right? You're talking about it also being like a space where people can meet up, maybe there's a coffee shop or, or things like that. Um, to be honest, on the ground floor uh, or on the floor where you actually purchase the, the tickets, actually, um, there is space designed for vendors, but cost, uh, because it's still new, there's no indication of whether or not that will be become a third space or whether that'll just be the typical place where you put convenience stores and maybe someone who has like a, uh, a small business that they want to run. Um, so there is space for that. But I think it, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you can tell, I think, stations in general, right? Even, even MRT, uh, Kajang actually, and even the, even the existing LRT stations, right, yeah, in Klanjaya, you can tell uh, Klanjaya and all the other lands, um, and Sri Pataling and Ampang and all that, you can tell that the stations aren't designed, I think, to be social spaces, uh, generally speaking. In fact, the only station that I think feels quite social, close enough to social, uh, would be... Maybe KLCC, right, for example. Uh, and even that, you have to get out from the platform and the moment you reach outside the gates, that's when it becomes social because it's linked to a mall. But other than that, I think Malaysian stations, Malaysian train stations itself are not designed to be to be social. Uh, and whether that's a good thing or not, I mean, that's up to society, right? Because at the end of the day, even, but even in when I was in London, right, the stations are quite rudimentary. You don't hang out at the stations. I mean, sure, around the stations, sometimes you get, you have, um, maybe sometimes the station will be attached to a mall, uh, a small mall or a, a commercial space. And then maybe outside the commercial space, you have coffee shops, 
you have uh, florists and whatnot. But the station itself um, are quite basic, you know, uh, between platform to uh, to the concourse. And I think, uh, but I will say this, lah. when it comes to Malaysian stations, I think because of how our urban planning is designed, uh, the station can feel a bit isolated from the community that is built in. Uh, and I think that's quite typical, right? So, for example, let's take the first ever station design, which is uh, LRT, sorry, LRT Klanajai, right? Klanajai station itself. The Klanajai station is kind of like an isolated island on itself. And it is the only the only way it kind of melts into the urban fabric, or as close as it gets, is actually across the road, right? So you have to cross the bridge, and across the bridge there's a commercial area. But uh, it's very rare, I think, to see uh, stations in the Klang Valley that is actually part of the urban fabric where you feel like you get out of the station and you're right into the community, you're right into the neighborhood. Yeah, you very rarely see that sort of station being designed in Malaysia, unfortunately. And the Putrajaya line, I think, carries on that that trait, right? That trait of being kind of like a, the I'm a station and I'm kind of like my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, another aspect, you know, as I'm looking at the map here, um, is that there are quite a number of park and ride stations here. Um, you've been on the station uh, multiple times um, talking about our last mile connectivity problem, right? Um, so based on, I guess, seeing the current map and seeing how many park and ride stations that we have here, do you feel like this is a continuation of that last mile problem to some extent? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, so if I recall correctly, there are over 2,000 parking bays uh, all across uh, the Putrajaya line, right? And I think a number of the stations have park and ride facilities. Um, most of it, actually, if you take into account the entire alignment, there are, I think, at least half or three quarters of the the alignment all has park and ride facilities. Um, and I think uh, the, the unfortunate reality that we live in uh, is that Malaysia is very pro-car, right? And this has kind of seeped into how MRT has designed their stations as well, which is to kind of accommodate for cars, right? So even if you look at the MRT Kajang line, the MRT Kajang line has quite a number of park and rides. Um, and this trend has continued into Putrajaya line. I'm, I'm not, for me, I think 2,000 parking bays means you only have an additional 2,000 people plus who will have ride, who will become part of your ridership, right? And that's not so many. Trains are supposed to move millions of people in a day. 2,000 part of, is like 2% of, uh, or less than 2% actually, of the uh, millions of people that you want to move in a day, right? From Putrajaya or maybe from Kwasa Damansara area, Sungapulu, whatever, into the city center. But yeah, uh, the unfortunate part is that there are park and rides, right? And I think the intention of park and rides at the end of the day is kind of to encourage people to, at the very least, use trains. Uh, so people who may live in like kind of low dense areas, right? So people who live kind of like in places like Kepong, uh, Bulo, these areas are not the most walkable areas, right? They're not the most accessible. Uh, and there'll be an assumption that maybe the bus service might not be, might not be the most efficient because they have to contend with jams. So if you've been to areas of, uh, if you've been to Singapore and Kepong during peak hours, you know that the jam there is terrible. And maybe that's, that's what the intent is, right? For park and rides. It's just, all right, we know people are not going to get on buses. People are not going to walk to the station definitely because it's not walkable. Um, so yeah, maybe let's just have park and rides. At the very least, maybe this will encourage people to to use the, to, to kind of brave five to maybe half an hour, five minutes or half an hour of jam 
to get to the station and then you finish off the rest of the journey on train. That's my assumption of why perhaps people at the end of the day, MRT bills continues to build park and rides, right? It's just to capture, hopefully capture that market who, who would consider using a station, the station for, for part of their journey. Uh, it does make for an interesting, I guess, observation considering that I think earlier you also said that, you know, all these stations, they were not designed to blend seamlessly with the neighborhood, right? Or these, the, these areas, right? No, yeah. They, they're considered island stations, yeah. Island stations, yeah. So so that's also... But it's, it's, it's an understandable decision to an extent, I guess, because you always need a big space to, to I guess, actually build these stations, right? Um, what else did you observe? I mean, you said earlier that you're not much of a train person, but uh, what's the like in terms of in terms of view, in terms of how the how the line was designed? Like, like does it make for an interesting like observation? You know, as you as when you're in the train, I guess being able to see like you know where it passes through. Uh, it does, but then again, uh, the portion that I wrote on was quite a short portion, right? So it was from Kampung Batu to Damansara Damai. So essentially, I was, I, was, I was already at the edges of KL as it was, right? So I plus to Jinjiang and Kepong. So I, I, the sort of views that I had was kind of like a still from dense to kind of like less dense uh, view. So you start seeing less taller buildings. You start seeing buildings which are more spread out and then you get into the highway, right? Um, so as a view, uh, preview-wise, I didn't manage to see interesting, too many interesting things. But I suspect when the line opens and when the line properly opens and then people can ride from Putrajaya all the way to the city centre. Now that's a view that I think could be worth uh, looking out of your window for. So Putrajaya all the way to the city centre, there is, you'll definitely pass through and see a variety of interesting things along the way, like how the urban landscape changes. Of course, Putrajaya is essentially like super low dense, right? You, the houses are in a very certain, are in certain areas. Uh, are demarcated very certain areas. So is the administration buildings uh, and Puchaja Central is essentially in the middle of nowhere. Um, so when you get on Puchaja Central and you go all the way to the city, I, I think the interesting thing would be kind of to see how the landscape shifts uh, quite dramatically from nothing to densities, uh, urban density building up and then eventually the city centre. And even more so, I think when... Uh, when the entire line is complete because then you'll be able to see, you'll be able to pass through UPM, you'll be able to pass through Sungai Bersi, uh, TRX, Bandar Malaysia Utara and Bandar Malaysia Utara to me, that, that area, right, Sungai Bersi, it's kind of like an interesting gateway into KL because um, that Sungai Bersi area was kind of considered, it's kind of considered as an old part of KL, right? It, it used to be kind of like the the entry point for people coming from from the south, from Johor, um, from Laka, you have to pass through that part part of town if you're coming from the south. So yeah, I think I think it'd be quite interesting uh, when the line fully opens and you start journey from Putrajaya, uh, as opposed to the other way around. Mm, okay, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it as well, only because I feel like I think correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the the first line that's accessible, more accessible line that connects us all the way to Putrajaya, right? Because that's I know there's another line, but that ERL, yeah, it, it's the KLA Express, but it is it's essentially just it essentially doesn't have much stations in between, right? Kila Express, I think, passes through Sabajaya. One part of Sabajaya passes through Putrajaya, and then it goes all the way to uh, KLA. So, so you can see the urban landscape change, yes, true. But yeah, it's quite limited. You're, you're unable to... Putrajaya essentially is not public transport uh, designed, right? Even though there, there is actually an underground 
uh, metro line that was actually designed in Puchy Central in the 90s. So when Puchy Jaya was actually built, there was actually an underground line that was actually built along with it. And it's just ready to use, but it's, but no one has been contracted. I think no one has been made attempts, I think, to build an actual internal localized uh, public transport system in Putrajaya, despite having the infrastructure for decades. So this is interesting because yeah, Putrajaya would be the first that connects them to, to the city center. All right, that's interesting. Uh, anything else you would like to just add before we end? Yeah, no, I think uh, I just, it's just, I was just reminded, I think the reason why uh, the station design uh, is kind of industrial, but also feels very localized is because the team uh, was actually, it's actually called Serambi, right? So so the team that they drew inspiration from is the Serambi concept, uh, where as you know, for Serambi house, uh, it's quite multi-layered, but it's also quite, uh, the designs are so quite elemental and wood-like, but also kind of like airy, right? Ventilated and all that. So, uh Interestingly, uh, just just as a final note, uh, reminding myself that it was wrong for Strambi concept design, it, it actually does feel like that um, in terms of how it's designed. But then again, I will say though, I don't think everyone's going to be a fan of how the Puchichaya stations were designed. Uh, some people who want a more modern feel, uh, a more complete feel, I would say, of stations, um, this might not appeal to them. But if you're all in for the industrial-like design, then I think the production station would be just nice for you. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, right, you don't spend more. Typically, you're not supposed to spend more than half an hour at a station at most. Uh, so for its purpose, it's built uh, as it should be. Mm, yeah, it's definitely more practical than than aesthetically pleasing, right? The design. Yeah, and I'm and I I mean. As much as I am a fan of our great architecture and great interior design, I think there's some there's a sort of a simplicity to this to the Putrajaya line that stations that I kind of like actually, uh, and it doesn't detract from my experience um, at the very least. Apart from the small little details, like I said, like the cost cutting stuff, like you see um, color blocks of plastic being used as benches, which is strange. Uh, small little details are there to remind you that the cost cutting measures happen. But apart from that. My sensibilities of the places, uh, I like it. At the end of the day, to me, it fulfills my need as a station, right? Um, and maybe whether or not they'll incorporate third spaces, maybe, will there be a coffee shop that they prop up inside? I don't know. I don't think so because most stations don't. Um, but it'll be interesting to see uh, how phase two will patch up um, any of the any of things that phase one may not uh, may not have. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and that was Azif Azudin. He's an independent urban mobility researcher and he has shared his thoughts on the new MRT Putrajaya Line Phase 1 which officially begins its operations today. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Stay safe and join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.